creating resonates with these students and with this generation is so important to tap into that. I also noticed that their engagement level is so much higher when they are given the opportunity to create um, and not just fill in a blank somewhere on a, on a piece of paper. That's been my experience so far. Welcome to the second half of our two-part series on making. Last week, we spoke with educators at the elementary level. This week, we continue our conversation on making by talking to some secondary teachers about their experiences with older students and how to incorporate making at the secondary level. Welcome to Digital Learning, where inspiring educators provide insight into their experiences with digital learning. I am Laura Barnes. I am Katie Haywood. And I am Chris Zirkel. We are Digital Learning Coordinators for Wake County Public School System in Raleigh, North Carolina. You can follow us on Apple, Anchor, Spotify, and Google. To access our show notes, visit us at dlc.wcpss.net. There, you will find contact information for your area digital learning coordinator, who can support you with a variety of digital learning needs. You will also find our monthly newsletter, our podcast episodes, our lunch and learn sessions, and other valuable resources. So I'm Becky Ashley, and um, I am a part-time media specialist at Apex Branch of High School. And I'm Angel Smith. I am a full-time media coordinator here at Apex Branch of High School. And I am Michelle Lee. I am a full-time um, computer science teacher at Alston Ridge Middle School. A lot of times when the word maker comes up, people have some preconceived notions about what that means. Dots of cardboard, paper glue, and a messy surface, and it can be very overwhelming. Our guests discuss their thoughts around what maker is and the idea of a maker mindset. When the idea of a maker space was first introduced to me, I thought, what a perfect combination for me um, of making while learning. Um, so it is, in my mind, the application of knowledge to create a physical product, a visual product that represents your understanding. So I think at Friendship, we have been really um, trying to have making include any form. So it's low tech, it's high tech but um, just sort of any, any sort of product that you're creating. Um, and again, making that, we haven't gotten into it, but we will. The curriculum piece is really, really important for us. And for me, um, when I first started out teaching 12 years ago, my, my idea of making was, you know, I needed to have space, I needed to have shelves, I needed to have a room. I was so focused on the actual physical space, I couldn't get past that. But over the years, I've evolved with my mindset and, and really because space is limited in many classrooms like mine, I've learned that it can be done without necessarily having a ton of space um, and just using what you have where you have it and not being, I, I don't stress as much anymore about the actual physical space. I really try to embrace the maker mindset more of anything and incorporate that into my classroom-based lessons and into my classroom. There are many, many reasons to consider adding elements of making into the classroom. Michelle and Angel shared why they include maker activities and why they are beneficial to students. I think it's so important because um, my experience over the last 12 years working with students, middle school students, is 
they thrive on creativity, especially this generation coming up. They are creators by nature. I mean, I've got sixth graders right now that are already YouTube streamers, streaming on Twitch, making their, creating their own content online. And that's before they even step in the classroom. So, I mean, it's so important, I think, to, if this resonates with them, this re creating resonates with these students and with this generation, it's so important to tap into that. I also noticed that their engagement level is so much higher when they are given the opportunity to create um, and not just fill in a blank somewhere on a, on a piece of paper. That's been my experience so far. But my sons are also resourceful, so they're going into neighborhoods where they're building and there might be some scrap material and they're collecting those and bringing those back home. And so for us, it was as, a, as parents, it was just amazing to see that they were using their time so well. And my 13-year-old will say, you know, I've got something to show for it. I have this really cool bike yard. And then all of the kids in the neighborhood are in our backyard riding too. So I think you know, just kind of having that mindset shift as an educator that there is so much value in the actual creation is super important. There's also something to be said about the perseverance that comes with the making because you get to fail. You fail a lot in a very safe environment because as you're building and you're tinkering, you are constantly problem solving. You're constantly thinking, how can I improve this? Um, and there's really no outside standard of what's the correct answer for whatever that you are creating. It's your own personal invention. There's nobody there really judging you and saying, well, you know, that is kind of crooked, so you need to fix that or you're not going to get an A. So to me, that's the value. Like the kids don't get enough practice right now in failing in a safe environment and feeling okay with okay, this problem didn't, this project that I created did not work. Let me try something different. Let me solve it in a different way. Um, so that to me is, is what is so rewarding about creation and building and making. It's easy to see what can happen when students are given opportunities to make and build. They can increase their creativity and their perseverance and other, quote, soft skills. But our guests also saw some very unexpected and exciting results when they provided making opportunities to their students and even had their preconceived notions challenged. Yeah, just to jump on that, I agree 100%. And I've seen it with students even at the middle school level. Not only are they failing, um, it's just like they say in the business world, you know, fail fast and, and move forward. So it teaches them that whole process of iteration and going through the whole process of making something. It's not going to work. We're going to tweak it. We're going to fix it. We're going to collaborate. And um, it's that whole process. And that's, that's really the skills that our students need to be successful in the 21st and 22nd century moving forward. And then there's also evidence that's showing that um, that a byproduct of creating is the social and emotional learning. And so we are able to sort of on the side while they're creating, you know, they're learning some teamwork. They're learning how to, um, you know, talk through what they want their creation to look like. And or you might just get a kid who's making something with their hands and then they're able to say, hey, this thing's going on at home and it's really hard. And you just got to be a listening ear for them. And so I think um, SEL has been a push across the county, but it's been a big push here at Friendship. And so, you know, we just appreciate that 
those two sort of things went hand in hand and we didn't even mean for them to, but um, you know, it has been a good byproduct. And I just have to tell this story, even though um, it's actually Becky's story, but to me it just made it so worthwhile, everything that we're doing in terms of the makerspace. Uh, when pre-COVID, Becky would put out um, Legos and um, all kinds of blocks and all kinds of materials so the kids could just come and play, just really play and tinker. And when I say play, I don't mean, you know, recess kind of play, but, you know, just a relaxing time. I'm, I'm, I just have to tell you, it, it's been so, so fascinating, just the complete process. So last year when it was National um, uh, Craft Month in March, um, we had planned on sewing neonatal unit um, quilts because we had a teacher who had a baby who was very, very premature, and he was at the neonatal unit for months on end. And so we thought, just as a thank you to that that hospital for doing such a good job taking care of this baby, we'd make these little quilts and donate them. Yeah, I've had the same experience as our high school teachers talking on this podcast. Basically, you know, people say to me all the time, oh, eighth graders, you know, they're not going to engage with Minecraft. They're too old for that. You know, they're on to bigger and better gaming. That's not true. They absolutely love it. They they secretly tell me they're like closet, closet Minecraft kids, and they'll be like, you know, Miss Lee, I haven't played Minecraft in four years, but this is like a rebirth, and they get so excited, and they're just as excited as the sixth graders coming in, and and. Um, we were talking about the different stereotypes, and that's something I've seen as well. It breaks down different stereotypes in education. Michelle, Becky, and Angel shared their tips for teachers who might want to incorporate making into their classroom. They also shared some of the resources they used to get started and to help them along the way. Well, that's something I've learned over the years is just really start with one. What, for a classroom teacher like myself, I mean, um, just start with one lesson, one one project, and for the resources that I use, one of the biggest resources I have here is we have in our district is the DLCs. DLCs in our district are amazing, and they're a tremendous resource. We have just rock star DLCs. I cannot speak highly enough of them. They have helped me over the years. Um, I've also done a lot of grants. That's how I fund my making projects and my making passion with my students. It does require some funding, it, depending on what you want to do. Um, so that's helped me over the years. I've done the Wake Electric grant. I've done the um, PRISM grant. Um, that helps a lot with funding. But definitely the DLCs have been a huge, huge resource in our district. And we're so blessed to have them. And kind of piggybacking off on that, the Lending Library um, was also super helpful to Angel and I because we had won some grants as well, and we were sort of like, okay, now we've got this money, what are we going to do? So we were able to borrow some things um, with Tanya and Kurt, and that was super, super helpful. And just kind of help, they were really good about kind of helping us focus and figure out, you know, where we should go next and what we should order. So that was super, super good. Making is also a really great opportunity for specialists and school library and media coordinators to partner with other teachers and reach a wide variety of students throughout the school. If you'd like to experience Maker with your students and fellow staff members before actually purchasing some, you can actually check out some materials from the Maker Lending Library. You go to maker.wcpss.net. When you get to that site, you'll see on the left 
a menu, you'll go to library and then tools. And they have all sorts of materials and kits in there. Bebots, hummingbirds, merge cubes, cubelets, kubos, osmos, spheros, dash dots, robots, making maker, root, some other resources. And you can actually look at the kit, look at the availability of the kit, and then actually fill out a form to request using it. So be sure to check that out and experience it before you purchase it. As media coordinators, you know, we don't have a group of students to um, tap into to do to make so um, it obviously felt like it would be easiest for us to just work with a teacher and try to help them with the curriculum piece and then we add it on just to add a little bit of uh, with the PLTs at our school what we did earlier on just again to try to fit in the best with what the teachers were doing uh, we sent out um, a list of the tools that we had, and then we asked them for feedback. What were their units um, in the semester? And then we kind of try to tag each teacher and say, hey, look, you have, um, you're, coming, you're teaching cells. These are the materials that we have. These are the challenges that we can do to help you um, teach those standards. And again, the teachers were so thankful for the help, um, and then the kids, were excited to do something different that was not a Google form or another um, presentation. And we also got buy-in from teachers um, when we said like, hey, could you make this like credit recovery? So if you have a kid who, you know, totally bombed your last test and the virtual world's not working for them, could they do this? And then you could offer them, you know, some extra credit or you know, a great replacement or whatever they decide. And they worked together with CLP to decide that, which was also good because then we could get buy-in from more teachers. In the end, there are a lot of benefits to making and supporting a maker mindset. As she went through this journey, Becky learned a really important lesson. So I talked a little bit before about how I sort of, um, by default, my family, are they're all makers. Um, and so my I have a son who's a middle school student, so Michelle, I just love that you are passionate about middle schoolers in general, but then also passionate about creating. Um, but my, I have a 13-year-old son, and he does not do video games. He's never been into video games. It was not a hard and fast rule at our house. He just wasn't into them, but he is passionate about making, and so he just, when he was even little, and he had his little wooden train set, he would make these super complicated tracks and then he would only spend a minute or two actually pushing the train all the way through. And I can remember talking to my husband and saying, I just don't understand why, why is he not actually pushing the train through the track? And my husband said, because it's about creating, it's about making, it's about the actual build. It's not actually about the play. The play for him is the build. And it was like a light bulb went off. And I thought back to all the years that I had been teaching. And I thought, I missed this. I just didn't get that there was so much learning that was happening just in the creation. So at the end of every episode, we really want to reconnect the conversation we had with our educators across the district with the digital learning standards for North Carolina. So the two that I really think about when I think about Maker are that innovative designer piece where you've got students who are practicing and designing things and, and maybe failing, but they're iterating over and over again um, to really kind of build their ability to be innovative designers. So that's a huge one here. The other one I think about is knowledge constructor. So students have the ability to create 
really productive and amazing artifacts that are really built from how they view the world. Um, so that that knowledge constructor where, where they're able to produce these amazing um, things from the maker classroom is really powerful. If you're interested in Maker or would like support with any aspect of Maker, feel free to reach out to your local area digital learning coordinators. You can find us at dlc.wcpss.net. Thanks for listening. For show notes and resources, visit dlc.wcpss.net. You can listen to our podcast on Anchor, Spotify, Apple, or Google Podcasts.